What motivated yesterday's Knoxville, Tennessee church shooting? We'll tell the story and get your thoughts. A housing rescue bill is headed to the president's desk. Is that bill a bailout for lenders and irresponsible home buyers? We'll ask an expert. Plus, we'll discuss one state's successful battle against Planned Parenthood. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Crystal College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. It's just tragic. The children were putting on a play. They were putting on a production of, of Annie in the middle when he, when he came in. All right, that's a member of the Tennessee Valley Unitarian Church, Steve Dravick. He says the gunman entered, started shooting during a play that was being performed by the children. We have two people killed, seven others injured. Here's the Knoxville Deputy Police Chief, Bill Rail, he said the shootings were appalling. It's terrible that, you know, you come to church to do worship and something like this occurs. It's very horrendous. All right, and here's the mayor of Knoxville, Bill Haslam. He said this shooting is tragic and our hearts should go out to these people. It's a horrible day. We would ask folks to pray for this congregation and the families involved. Well, how should we pray for these people? We're going to have prayer on this program today. How should we pray for them? We're going to talk about that. How should we understand this shooting? Um, and why did this man do it? We're going to talk about all of that. We're going to ask you to call in. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and give the number. Your reactions to this shooting, 800-881-9270. You want to talk about this shooting and what it means 800-881-9270. And Penna, other things coming up today. Well, Dr. Johnson, a housing bill that President Bush originally promised to veto is actually headed to his desk. He will sign it because uh, it rescues the mortgage lending giants, uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. Now, the Wall Street Journal says that the passage of this legislation is, and I'm quoting, a route for taxpayers, especially those who kept their heads during the housing mania. So how much does this bill expand government? Is it necessary? We'll ask Heritage Foundation economist J.D. Foster. Also, uh, Planned Parenthood, as we know, uh, believes that uh, women have a right to choose abortion. There will always be people, many of goodwill, who do not share my view on the issue of choice. On this fundamental issue, I will not yield and Planned Parenthood will not yield. 
Barack Obama, presidential candidate, is in lockstep with uh, Planned Parenthood on abortion. But our friends in South Dakota won a battle last week against Planned Parenthood and against abortion. A court decision meant that the only abortion clinic in the state had to close its doors. We're going to ask a pro-life activist about this. How did it happen? Will the clinic stay closed? And what does this mean for other states? All right. Again, the breaking news story today. We're asking you to call in. Give us your thoughts. Tennessee Valley Unitarian Church experiences a major tragedy. A gunman breaks in during the musical, begins to shoot people, two dead, seven injured. We're going to pray for these folks. We're going to try to understand this crisis. One of the things that happened was there was sort of a let's roll factor. You've got uh, folks who really overpowered this gunman. Here's witness Terry Eulston on the CBS Early Show. He said he knew he had to act to protect these children and others. This was one of those cases, and I just, uh, that was my thought, is somebody's got to stop this guy. All right, here's someone else who volunteered. Jamie Parkey on the Today Show said he did what he did when the shooter aimed the gun in his direction. I pushed my mother and daughter to the floor and got under the pew, and then when I saw the men uh, rushing him is when I got up to join them. All right, and the police chief, Sterling Owen, said the heroic actions of these church members prevented further death. Were it not by the hasty actions of some of the other people in the sanctuary, there may have been more fatalities. So we need to all be thankful for that. Look, I'm going to call this the let's roll factor because I think that's just one lesson right away that we can draw from this, and that is uh, this is the American spirit. When you see something like this happen, don't just sit back, but go stop it. And that's what Beamer did on that flight, and that's what these people did. They said, we're not going to be victims. We're going to take charge. We're going to rush this guy, and they probably saved many, many Mm -hmm. lives. One lost his life doing it. Wow. Well... Let's go to the callers. Let's go to the callers. He is a hero. And uh, we've got Amanda on the line. Amanda, what's your reaction to this shooting today? Amanda, you're on the air. Amanda, I hope you'll call back. Let's move on to Rob in McKinney. Again, we're asking folks to call in. The number is 800-881-9270. Rob, what's your thoughts on this shooting today? Hey, Dr. Johnson. It's absolutely heartbreaking to hear such uh, outrageous crimes against, you know, people where they go to church and they try to feel the most comfortable, most safe, and they can worship our Lord and Savior. You know, I I truly hope that this uh, sad occasion will help to bring that community as well as that church tighter together and, and be a witness for God. Well, so many times, Rob, you know, we think of the church as a safe haven, um, a spiritual place of um, rest, retreat, reflection, and uh, of course our minds go back to the Westwood Baptist Church here and the and the shooting years ago, Penna, and um, you know, many Wedgwood years Wedgwood ago, Baptist. There, yeah. yeah, yeah, Wedgwood. And th- there was also a shooting in Dangerfield many years ago when I was a child. Really? I remember a shooting in Dangerfield, Texas. Somebody came in, shot up the Baptist Church there. So uh, this can happen. We've got Leanne on the line. Um and um, actually, I don't think that's going to work, so we won't go to her. But uh, I think one of the things we want to talk about, Penna, is why this man did what he did. Because uh, I'm looking at the headlines from CNN and even from Fox. And uh, let's go um, let's go to the law enforcement officer here who said, uh, 
And this is the police chief. He says this is why the guy did what he did. It appears that what brought him to this horrible event was his lack of being able to obtain a job, his frustration over that, and his stated hatred for the liberal movement. Okay, now when you hear this, I, I, I hate to laugh, but what I'm saying is it, it's, uh, it's sort of re- a reduction um, in the simplest terms of what they think this guy was motivated by. He left a four-page letter. And I want to say, first of all, I think the guy was crazy, Penna, when I read what I've read today about him. I do, too. But uh, it sounds like they're bl- he's blaming the economy and liberalism. And I think the surface headline out there tonight on the evening news is going to be, this was a conservative, uh, maybe a Republican, maybe a Christian conservative of some kind. And uh, I just want you to know, I don't think that's accurate when you start looking really through the material. We've done a little bit of research today. And uh, this guy, for instance, was on food stamps. Uh, so maybe if he was a conservative, he was not an economic He was a former military also. Uh, there's a neighbor of this guy that uh, did an interview, Karen Massey, and she said he li- she lived two houses from this guy named Ads- Atkinson, the shooter. And she told the Knoxville News she had a conversation with the shooter a couple of years ago. She told the shooter that her daughter had just graduated from Johnson Bible College. She ended up having to say that she was a Christian, and he got angry. He seemed to get angry at that, she said. He said that everything in the Bible contradicts itself if you read it. So I guess the point I want to make is this guy was not a conservative evangelical Christian reacting to liberal Unitarian uh, religion. Uh, because I think that that comes across when you hear the news story that this was some kind of conservative fundamentalist evangelical, and he's he's uh, against liberal Christianity. No, he was against political liberalism and particularly the homosexual agenda. But it's not that he was operating from the Christian worldview or the evangelical worldview or fundamentalist worldview. He actually rejects the Bible. He um, he said he was made to go church all of his life. And he acted like he was forced to do that, the neighbor said. So I think he's reacting to Christianity in general, not just liberal Christianity. Certainly very troubled. I found it interesting, though, because on the Fox website, uh, when they reported on this, they called it a hate crime investigation. Of course, when it's a hate crime, the penalties are are more. And they're because of some bias against someone. So the question I had was, is it uh, hatred of Christians? Is it hatred of liberals? Or is it hatred of homosexuals? Which is it? Wow. Well, again, the number is 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. Amanda, you can try to call back. We'll try to get you in. Um, let's talk about this church, though, and uh, certainly this is a major loss. And We're going to have prayer in a few minutes for these people. It was interesting that the policeman asked that we pray for these people. Now, uh, our hearts would go out to these people, whether a church or a synagogue or a mosque. It wouldn't make any difference, or a, a Masonic lodge or a... City Hall or anything like that, community center. But uh, it is interesting because our show is about the Christian worldview, Penna, that uh, Unitarian Universalists are um, politically liberal. And this guy said he hated liberalism. Um, Unitarians were a reaction against the Puritans in New England. They don't believe in the Trinity. They don't believe in the power of prayer. Uh, They don't believe in the miraculous. 
Uh, they don't believe in the fall or in sin. And uh, I'm really hoping that, you know, this kind of an, an event actually, and I already hear some of it today, it will cause some of these folks to seek the reality of the Christian faith in the New Testament. That is, that they would go to the one true and living God in prayer. God is not some nebulous concept, a pious platitude, but there is a one true and living God who hears and answers prayer. I hope they would look to mm-hmm. the providence and sovereignty of God and say, you know, God, what are you doing through this event? Uh, because liberalism says, hey, uh, there is no purpose, there is no meaning, God is not in control. And uh, I think this could, this could help some of these folks uh, actually in a strange way find the Lord Jesus Christ. That would be one of our hopes, It's one interesting of our that people across America are praying for them, even though they don't believe in prayer. It, well, it really is. We've got Whitney on the line from San Angelo. Whitney, what are your thoughts about this shooting today? Well, I think often what people forget and don't look into and don't delve into is this man's upbringing, his past, his parental influence, yes. and the influences around him. Because it's it's not hatred against the world, it's hatred in himself. Yes. And whatever was inflicted on him in his childhood. And I think that, you know, sure, when you become an adult, you have to examine your life, and you have choices to make. And God, whether liberal or not, uh, God has given all of us, whether we're liberals, conservatives, whatever, um, choices to make, informed choices. And the bottom line in Scripture, um, and I've been a hospital chaplain for nine years. Uh, I was born and raised in San Angelo. I live in Philadelphia now, but I'm visiting in San Angelo. And the bottom line is, with all the death and dying that I've seen, it's love, compassion, and acceptance. That's who Jesus Christ is. Mm. And this man has not ever felt that, and unfortunately... He never took an opportunity in his life to, um, to work on his uh, emotional well-being. And so, you know, it's a tragic, Thanks, Whitney. tragic thing. But that's my humble opinion. <laughs> Penny, you were saying something from before the program. From your read, this guy was such a contradiction. His anger might have been... It might have been because he did. He saw the society as failing him uh, because he was basically out of a job at this time and also uh, depending on the government. Could be mad at himself, yeah. even. Yeah, mad at himself. For being so on that, food stamps, yeah. but, you know, being a kind of a conservative, maybe. Who knows? Well, we've got two more callers on the line. We hope to take these when we come back after the break. We'll have a time of prayer for these people in this church and this setting. And also... Uh, It sounds like there's some action in Washington, D.C. today on housing and the housing crisis. We have a special guest when we come back later in the segment. Also, we're going to talk about Planned Parenthood going out of business in South Dakota. What do you make of that? It's Jerry Johnson Live with Penn Dexter. We'll be right back to pray for these people in Tennessee. Criswell College is proud to present the new Mac at Night program. It's a Master of Arts in Counseling degree obtained by attending evening block classes. There are licensure and non-licensure options depending on your career goals. Mac at Night features some of the best professors in the field of Christian counseling, and all courses are biblically based. Expand your ministry or prepare for a doctorate. Criswell College makes it simple and convenient. All Mac at Night courses are scheduled with the working professional in mind. If you've got a full-time job, a busy lifestyle, or even raising a family, you're perfect for Mac at Night. Get your Master of Arts in Counseling at Criswell College with Mac at Night. 
Call 800-899-0012 or go to criswell.edu. That's 800-899-0012 or criswell.edu. Invest in God's work and yourself through this convenient program through the Criswell College. It's Mac at Night. See criswell.edu. That's criswell.edu. listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. I grabbed the baby and dropped to the floor against the door so that he couldn't see us or be able to come in if he tried to, and I heard the, the man tackling him. All right, that's Amy Broyles. She's talking about what she did to protect herself and her two-year-old. Imagine this, you're watching that musical Annie. All of a sudden, someone starts shooting up everyone in the church. Uh, This tells us that uh, sin is real, evil is real, but uh, we do believe in the power of prayer. Let's hear what you have to say about this shooting. We've got Raymond on the line from Hillsboro. Raymond, thank you for calling. What are your thoughts on this? Dr. Johnson, let's let's, uh, go to the Bible on this. Uh, You know, the Bible says if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap destruction. Yes. And under, I just uh, believe that the man, not believing in God, not believing in the Bible, he was sowing to the flesh, and also the church sowing to the flesh, mm. because they're living in sin also. Well, I would say uh, this, though, Raymond, about that, and we've got to move on to the next caller. I would say that's true about the shooter, because um, the Bible says... The devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And this guy had totally rejected New Testament Christianity, and he's going to have that kind of a life. But I have a hard time saying that this church uh, brought this upon itself. In fact, I I just have to reject that because you've got Wedgwood Baptist Church here in our area, a conservative, evangelical, Bible-believing church, yet they experience a similar kind of tragedy. So I have a real hard time. Only God can know if... uh, you know, there's any kind of a retribution or judgment in, in something like this. We can't know the mind, the ways of God. we got Bob on the line from Terrell. Bob, what's your take on this? Yes, Dr. Johnson. Uh, what happens is some t- most of the time a lot of people don't know how to deal with the life that uh, has been dealt to them. And uh, what happens is they become angry, and uh, they don't know how to get rid of the anger that yeah. they uh that they, uh, you know, come holds of their life. And hey, Bob, that's a good thought. We're going to have to go with that, because I, but I think you're on to something. This man was bitter. He was angry, maybe ashamed of himself, and just lashing out at um, liberals or homosexuals, certainly a wrong sin, a major mistake. And I think the thing we want to do right now, Penna, is to pray, as we've been asked to do for these people. And I'm going to ask our listeners, just uh, where you're driving, you don't need to close your eyes, but just focus on the one true and living God, and we pray to Him. Father, we come to You asking that You would minister in this situation, that You would use Christians to show Your love, that You would somehow, Lord, touch these people, help them to know that You love them, that You care for them, that You sent Your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for their sins on the cross, And he rose again, and we pray that he would be glorified somehow in this event. We pray for the community. We pray for the churches, that they would rally around these people. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Well, we'll continue to follow this story. We'll continue to bring updates and uh, to reflect upon this. What does it mean for security in your church? What does it mean when we talk about hate crimes? Speaking of hate crimes, I pen a lot of things coming down from Washington, D.C. this week. One of them is uh, the housing crisis. Tell us what's happening. Well, some folks are actually a little angry about this because there's a big bill heading to the president's uh, desk, and they feel like uh, they're having to pay for maybe the bad decisions of some other folks uh, living beyond their means. Uh, But this is Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid praising the passage of this housing bill. Uh, This is over the weekend. He says it's a red-letter day in the saga of the housing crunch. Today, at long last, a ray of hope chance to turn the page on the housing crisis and begin a new chapter that gives more families a chance at the American dream of responsible home ownership. Texas Senator uh, Kay Bailey Hutchison not so happy about this. She says she can't support the legislation. The U.S. Senate can and should spend time debating these issues and improving the bill instead of rubber stamping additions that pose a taxpayer liability of billions and maybe trillions. With us to discuss this is uh, J.D. Foster. He's Senior Fellow in the Economics and Fiscal Policy Department at at the Heritage Foundation. He's got a master's from Brown and a doctorate from Georgetown University. And Dr. Foster, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. All right, we're looking at this bill and a few things that it does. Uh, First of all, it uh, lets homeowners who can't afford the payments refinance. Uh, it also provides a lifeline for Freddie, May, uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae and uh, several other things. So, Dr. Foster, is this a bailout for those who made bad decisions? Well, it's many things. Uh, it, it would be a bailout. Uh, that component of the bill uh, relating to FHA uh, would be a bailout of those homeowners, except it's so ineffective uh, that uh, we will probably be mostly through the current housing crisis before that particular part of the bill becomes effective. So, the Well, that's only... one question I have, Dr. Foster, because sometimes if you wait these things out, don't they just get better on their own without the government stepping in? Well, in fact, the government stepped in in a smart way uh, back in July of 2007 when the Treasury Department created what's called a Hope Now program. And under that program, they have reworked out through workouts and loan modifications 1.7 million homeowners and this is not the Treasury doing it. This was just the Treasury working with private uh, lenders, uh, the people who've made the loans, uh, who want to do workouts. Uh, this is the private sector taking the initiative and working very effectively to solve the problem one mortgage at a time. That's the way they were written, and that's the way they have to be reworked. Uh, and so the private sector is working very effectively to work through the problem. And then the government comes along and says, no, we want a piece of the action. Uh, we got to look uh, so like we're doing something. Program that just isn't going to work. Well, Dr. Foster, uh, what about President Bush is going to veto this? There was so much to it, and he felt that he just couldn't sign it until this uh, Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae sort of crisis happened. Now he feels like he's got to sign it. Why is that? Well, unfortunately, he does have to sign it. Uh, with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are uh, gargantuan participants in our financial system, both nationally and globally. Uh, experts have warned, I've warned, many people have warned for a long, long time that these uh, these two entities, financial institutions, pose a grave threat to our world financial system if they ever got into trouble. Well, now they're in serious trouble. They pose that threat. Unfortunately, the, the time to, for action was two, five, ten years ago. Now the mess is upon us, and uh, we can't just uh, turn our backs on these 
very large uh, institutions and let them fail because they will bring down significant portion of the rest of the financial system. So you, we should have prevented it. We didn't. Now we have to deal with the mess, and that's what this bill does. It, it does address uh, the immediate problem of Fannie and Freddie and keep them from bringing the whole financial system down. But we need the second piece, which isn't done yet. And I think that's part of what Senator Hutchinson was talking about. We need to the part of the bill that they haven't written, and that is the changes to Fannie and Freddie in the long run that will make sure this never, ever happens again. We're still waiting on that part of the bill. Uh, it didn't have to be written and signed into law now, but it does have to be done. And the central piece of it is these two entities need to be broken up, broken up into small pieces so if they get into trouble, they can be allowed to fail without threatening the whole financial system. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest, Dr. J.D. Foster of the Heritage Foundation. Dr. Foster, we're in a political season. It's 100 days now to the election of President of the United States. My question to you is this. Um, some of the Republicans in the Senate and the House, I think, are frustrated that the president is now going to sign this bill. So there's some political frustration within the Republican Party. But I want to back up and ask you this question. You know, Who do you think the voters are going to blame? Who should they blame for this crisis? Uh, because ultimately, the voters are going to have to pick up the tab in these subsidies. So should they blame the Republicans, the Democrats, or Wall Street? Who is it? Well, uh, this this problem is so uh, widespread that, that every, a lot of people get some of the blame, but <laughs> predominantly it falls on the Congress uh, on a bipartisan basis. There were Republicans as well as Democrats who didn't heed the warnings, who wanted to continue with the with the old system and get their political contributions uh, from Fannie and Freddie, and they protected these two institutions, uh, despite wow. all the warnings. And so it predominantly falls with Congress, uh, and but it's on a bipartisan basis. It's not one party or the other. Would you see any difference between uh, McCain's way forward and Obama's way forward on this issue? Have you have you noticed that they have different approaches to this problem? Well, they do have different approaches uh, to this, uh, as you see through the prism of their approach to government in general. Uh, as I mentioned, the key going forward, once we're through the immediate crisis, is we have to break these two large financial institutions into smaller institutions so that if they get into trouble, they, would, uh, they, they wouldn't bring the whole system down. Senator Obama believes in big government, believes in socializing uh, our, our economic processes. That's, that's at the core of his economic philosophy. He would keep these two large institutions as they are and, and uh, continue with the threat to uh, the economy in the future. Senator McCain has a different uh, basic approach. I think he would want to see them eventually broken up. Uh, he wrote to effect, in effect to that effect um, in an article this week. Uh, and they, so they do have a very different approach. Senator Obama would keep the institutions large and major players in the housing sector. I think Senator McCain would prefer that they be broken up and never threaten us again. Dr. J.D. Foster from the Heritage Foundation, I just want to say to folks, I wish that uh, the Congress, the Senate would get rid of their committees and let the uh, Heritage Foundation fix the country for us. You do a great job. We thank you for being with us today, Dr. Thank Foster. Thank you. God bless you, sir. All right, folks. Uh, uh, he did hit, I think, uh, the nail on the head. We talked about big government versus small government. And uh, we take the doctrine of sin seriously here. That is, the power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And, and when government gets larger and bigger and broader reaching, so much so that it's into housing, large sectors of housing, that's always going to be problematic. Big government programs 
tend toward corruption. That's going to be the problem with universal health care. Uh, if they can't run housing, how, are they going to fix health care? We're going to have to go back and uh, buy that out too? Well, when we come back, Planned Parenthood out of South Dakota. Breaking development. We'll talk about it. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter from Criswell College. We'll be right back. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. There will always be people, many of goodwill, who do not share my view on the issue of choice. On this fundamental issue, I will not yield and Planned Parenthood will not yield. All right, that's Barack Obama. He's running for president of the United States. He says he will not yield on Choice. Choice. What does he mean? The choice to kill an unborn human being up until the last moment, the last day, really, of pregnancy. Actually, even after the child is born, he is on record supporting, defending, refusing to prosecute infanticide. But he says there's no compromise. I will not yield. Now, he acknowledges with nicety that you and I disagree, but he says, I'm not compromising. And he's been very clear to say if he's president, he will nominate people to the Supreme Court that will uphold Roe versus Wade. So that is Barack Obama. Abortion is going to be front and center in this presidential campaign because McCain has a strong pro-life record, and I think there are many conservative pro-life folks who say, you know, uh, whether or not they agree with Obama on other issues, that they're not going to compromise on the life issue. But there's some breaking news, Pena, up in South Dakota. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fact that a Dallas abortion clinic, the Aaron Clinic that did late-term abortions, closed. Now, last week, this news that uh, we've been sort of previewing, Planned Parenthood's clinic, its only abortion clinic in South Dakota, shut its doors, and it did this rather than comply with a court order that said women seeking abortions must be told they're killing their baby and could be harming themselves. This court actually upheld a South Dakota law that said this. And now with us to talk about it is pro-life leader from the Alpha Pregnancy Center in Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota, Alan Unruh. Alan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I know that you work. I'm sure that you were part of working on the bill in South Dakota, but it was a wonderful victory that uh, the Eighth Circuit actually upheld it, wasn't it? Outstanding. Biggest pro-life victory in 35 years. Tell us what happened. Right. Well, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeal overruled Judge Schreier. See, our legislature back in 2005 passed a law requiring every abortionist to inform a woman she's terminating the life of a separate, unique, whole, living human being. Wow. And Judge Schreier, or Clinton appointee, filed an injunction to block the, the law. And the Eighth Circuit on appeal now on 7-4 ruled that Judge Schreier overstepped her bounds they rule that every abortion has to inform them in, in writing, at least uh, before the abortion, two hours before minimum, uh, that they're terminating the life of a se- separate, unique, whole, living human being. They have to inform them that they're giving up their right to their child, which is protected by the U.S. Constitution and the South Dakota Constitution. They also rule that they have to inform them that they got a high risk of clinical depression, suicide, and suicide ideation, if they follow through. 
plus the physical risks of hemorrhage, infection, uh, sub- premature subsequent births, and infertility if she follows through with the abortion. And they also have to show them an ultrasound. Wow. So those are, those are uh, Planned Parenthood for years has, has survived on using euphemisms, telling women there's nothing there, it's just tissue and cells. Uh, they'll never tell them it's a human being. And, uh, and then they tell them the only emotion they'll ever have is relief. So the evidence was over. It was heard by the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, and we won seven to four. It wasn't by just one vote. Wow. So Dr. Monday, Unruh, so does that mean, so Planned Parenthood actually chose, rather than to comply with that, to close their doors, and last Monday was the, was they even had appointments that they had to cancel. Yeah, well, last Monday was the first day they, that they had to comply, and, and our people, prayer warriors, were there, and, and uh, the abortionist always comes in at 8 o'clock, and there was a sign on the door that said closed. And, uh, and then finally someone came a couple hours later, but the abortionist was not there with them. Now, we haven't confirmed if they brought an abortionist. They've denied that they're closed since then. And so we're working on, on to see if they do have an abortionist that's going to be coming in. Uh, we don't know either way now, but we know for that day they had to sign up, and there were several women that were waiting to get abortions that couldn't get them. And some of them went to Alpha Center, which is a pregnancy care center. And uh, so we know we've already saved some babies. Right. And one of the safest places in, in America right now is in South Dakota, if you're an unborn That's child. great. <laughs> this is Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest, Dr. Alan Unruh of South Dakota. And, uh, folks, I want you to, to wake up and just realize what a victory this is because you have Planned Parenthood closing in South Dakota, essentially. Why? Because a new law requires them to say the abortion will terminate the life of a whole separate, unique, living human being, and they're just not willing to do that, because I think when young ladies hear that, they're going to have second thoughts. There'll be a lot of uh, human lives saved. Let me ask you this, Dr. Unruh, because uh, this uh, you guys have really been working the political side for years up there, and... Um, you know, two steps forward, one step back, some frustration, some victory, some defeats. But this could be uh, the way forward for many states. And I want to ask you about that. Do you believe this is the way forward um, for other states who have a pro-life consensus but have not found the handle yet on how to uh, enforce, you know, pro-life policy in their state? Uh, absolutely. Well, the Eighth Circuit covers eight different states. That's so great. So in those states, they, they've already got precedent now with the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. So they could get legislators to pass the same type of legislation of informed consent. But also, we have a, a VoteYesForLife.com initiative that outlaws all abortion for birth control reasons. Now, what this will do, basically, we have very strict reporting requirements for rape and incest because we want to lock up rapists. We want to prosecute child molesters, and they have to go to a hospital. They're in a professional setting rather than going to the police station. So it's actually very friendly and and more freedom for women in a better professional setting. And uh, the health and life does not include mental. It has to be a life-threatening condition that would threaten the woman's life and her child. And and they have to follow well-established medical procedures on those most rare circumstances. So if this will bolster our campaign with the Eighth Circuit decision because the evidence is all on our side and the truth is on our side. And with 50 million women who are victims of abortion, the testimony was so compelling and so overwhelming 
that the legislature, by two-thirds majority on each house, voted to outlaw all abortion. And so <clears throat> the penalty for not following through with the Eighth Circuit decision, when it went back to Judge Schreier, she ruled that the, that the abortionists have to comply with every aspect of the Eighth Circuit, and otherwise it could be two years imprisonment, mm. they could lose their medical license, uh, they could get, uh, be sued for wrongful death, they could be sued criminally and, and civilly. So uh, the chances of a woman not having any consequences, physically or emotional, are really very rare. And so we've got, we've got some tremendous evidence on our side for state after state after state. Poll after poll throughout America shows that Americans detest abortion to be legal for all nine months for any reason under the sun. And uh, that's not where America is. And so we, our abortionist that, that did perform abortions for eight years said she's never done one for rape. And all three abortionists who fly into our state, because we don't have any in our state, testified under oath they've never done one for health reasons. Wow. So it's really a canard. That's right. Dr. Alan Unruh from the Alpha Pregnancy Center in South Dakota, we want to thank you for being with us. We want to thank you for what you're doing to protect human life. Well, thank you for having me. And I just want to uh, appeal to everybody listening to go to the VoteYesForLife.com website. Be informed and be involved. We heard a rumor Planned Parenthood got a large sum of money this last weekend, and this is the forces of good and evil fighting. And then what happens in the next four months, South Dakota is the biggest mission field in the country right now because it can have worldwide impact whether we win or lose this November. All right. on our the day. website is VoteYesForLife.com. VoteYesForLife.com. You can be involved. You could help them out with a gift, certainly be in prayer for what they're doing. Ben, I always like to go back to uh, what the Bible says, and, of course, um, some we take for granted that uh, abortion is wrong, that it's a sin, but I think it's important for us to go back to the text and uh, remember that in the Bible, so many times the human story uh, does not begin with birth, but the human story begins with conception. And when you read about Abraham and Sarah and their children, that story, uh, the story of Ishmael, the story of Isaac, that begins at conception. It doesn't begin at birth. Uh, the story of um, Samuel begins with conception. The story of Samson begins with conception. In fact, even Jesus. Yes, that's exactly right. But uh, but back to Samson. In Judges, we are told that Samson's mother could not drink wine because Samson was a Nazarite from the womb, and for her to drink wine would be a violation of his Nazarite oath. That's just how serious. So when you talk about the personhood of the unborn, uh, you're talking about, in the Bible, uh, for instance, Jeremiah. God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So that's before there's even any form or any shape. You have that in Psalm 139, that... um, before there was form, uh, before there was the bone, and the bones are mentioned, the kidneys are mentioned uh, of the unborn in the womb. But then he says, before I formed you, when there was no form. And I think the classic text is simply this, uh, John one fourteen: the word became flesh. And so you're right, Penna, the story of John the Baptist begins in the womb. The story of Jesus begins in the womb. But the Word became flesh. The second person of the Trinity did not become a baby or a teenager or a 30-year-old man. The second person of the Trinity became flesh. 
and dwelt among us. That was the moment. The story of Jesus begins when Mary is with child, pregnant. And um, so for Christians, I mean, it ought to be very clear. And of course, there's the prima facie command. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not murder. And so the burden of proof from the Christian point of view is always uh, on the side you're protecting human life. The burden of proof is on those who want to take a human life. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Penn and Dexter. Some news updates, very interesting when we come back. I've got a full-time job and a family, and I'm also getting a master's degree at Criswell College. The new Mac at Night program offers evening block courses for a Master of Arts in Counseling degree. It's so convenient and fits my busy lifestyle as a mom and a professional. Mac at Night offers licensure and non-licensure programs so you can gain ministry knowledge and even prepare for a doctorate. Mac at Night professors are at the top of the Christian counseling field. And Criswell College is partnered with a number of ministries, so you'll get experience and great contacts. My friends and family are so excited to see me back in school with the Mac at Night program at Criswell College. A Master of Arts in Counseling has never been so convenient. Come on, join me for Mac at Night. For more details, call 800-899-0012 or visit criswell.edu. Invest in God's kingdom and in yourself through the Chriswell College. See us on the web at chriswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Chriswell College and Chriswell Communications. We do not have time to play around with this. We do not have the luxury of making it a political football and, and exercising politics as usual. All right, that's Al Gore. It's 104 degrees today. Yesterday, 105, and uh, we're really hot. It's but global there's a, warming. There's a breaking a development on global warming. We'll talk about that in just a minute, but we've got a caller on the line. In fact, if you want to react to anything on the program today, the shooting, the housing crisis or abortion. We've still got time, 800-881-9270, 800-881-9270. But Leanne is on the line reacting to our last segment. Leanne, thank you for holding. What's your view? Well, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to let you know I discovered Dr. Andrew last fall when I was looking for potential speakers for the Christian Chiropractor Student Group at my school. I go to Parker College in Dallas. And I read about him and uh, read his website, and he is just an amazing man. And I think we need Dr. Unruh in every state and every city. Well, Dr. Unruh and his wife, Leslie, both of them are activists for the issues of life and also the issue of abstinence in South Dakota. And uh, he is a chiropractor there, but he spends a lot of his time in pro-life activism. And you are right. Those are the type of people we need, you know, working in all of our states. I do believe in this organization. I've met many of the people who are working it. I made a contribution last year when they had their big campaign. And I would strongly advise people to go to this website and and be a part, you know, because it is a sort of a laboratory for pro-life mm-hmm. activism. And uh, it, this is going to be a huge issue, Penna, uh, in the election. And I want to shift now back to Barack Obama speaking about his commitment. Some people argue that the federal ban on abortion was just an isolated effort aimed at one medical procedure, that it's not part of a concerted effort to steadily roll back the hard-won rights of American women. That presumption is also wrong. 
within hours of the decision. An Alabama lawmaker introduced a measure to ban all abortions. With one more vacancy on the court, we could be looking at a majority hostile to a woman's fundamental right to choose for the first time since Roe versus Wade, and that is what is at stake in this election. Fundamental right to choose. Again, fundamental right to choose what? To choose the killing of an innocent human life, an innocent human being. It's, it's just amazing to me that the party and the candidates who say they're for the underdog, say for those who are helpless and homeless and poor, would uh, not protect the most innocent, helpless among us, and that is uh, the unborn. And, but this campaign is uh, beginning to, to take shape now. We've got 100 days uh, to, to elect the next president of the United States. Well, we've got Lee on the line from Plano to talk about uh, Barack Obama. Lee, what, what's your thought? I was wondering if you all have heard the uh, contention that Barack Obama is not actually a U.S. citizen. No, I have not seen that one, or maybe I've, I've you know, seen a little bit of that. Uh, that. I've also seen that about McCain, because McCain was born at an Army base, as I recall. The Canal Zone. And so, uh, but that case has already been settled with Barry Goldwater. Actually, the Supreme Court weighed in on that when Barry Goldwater was nominated for president, because he was born in some kind of a military context. Or maybe Arizona wasn't a state yet or something. It was a territory when Goldwater uh, was born. But in any case... Um, the McCain thing has been settled, but I haven't heard that Obama. What's the argument? That he um, his birth certificate did not show uh, residency in the United States, you know, that his mother was resident at the time he was born, and that um, uh, he actually applied for uh, aid to, I think it was Columbia University, I, I'm not sure the university I believe it was, uh, based on the fact that he was a foreign well, we'll we will follow up this story. I want to thank you, Lee, for for making the call and and informing us. You know, I think uh, he's come so far; it's going to be really hard for anyone to get traction on this argument, even if it's true. Well, it would be certainly a great gift for Hillary Clinton <laughs> if it was true, <laughs> because she is waiting. She's still in not the all wings. those delegates, no doubt about that. But Penna, let's talk about these polls because uh, conflicting polls, really, in the last day or two, one. For McCain, one for Obama. Well, everybody was kind of wondering what would happen after this European Iraq tour. And uh, the Gallup poll uh, says that Obama is now at 49 percent and McCain 40. So it was like widening. The, the disparity was about seven points last week, so it widened by a couple points. But then there's another a USA Today Gallup, USA Today partnering up with Gallup, and this is a different poll. And uh, this puts John McCain uh, moving him from six points behind among likely voters, oh, this is a month ago, to now a four-point lead over Barack Obama. And this is among likely voters. So I'm The other one is the other a generic is just, poll. Yeah, so that's the so, difference. Well, like, they're the ones that count. And, of course, then you've also got to factor what's going on in the key electoral states, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, Florida, uh, Colorado. And actually, in the last week, John McCain, uh, moving, a, moving forward in Colorado, moving forward in Minnesota, and making some gains. But, again, it's way too it's early. early. It's way too early. There are going to be a lot of developments. Uh, we talked about how hot it is. It is hot today. And, um, but this is a surprise to me. Governor... Arnold Schwarzenegger of California um, vetoes a climate change curriculum that was passed by his state legislature. And um, this would mandate that the teachers 
teach the subject uh, and some curriculum on climate change. Now, actually, there is a curriculum going around in California, but um, the governor says I'm for uh, each school district doing their own thing. I don't think we should push this down. What a Republican concept. Or uh, above. So uh, kudos to Schwarzenegger on this point. He certainly, I think, has bought, uh, he's drinking the Kool-Aid when it comes to the big message, but at least he's not into thought control and mind control on this, as so many are. And it is hot today, but I want to remind you that in the last 10 years, We've seen no warming. All of the warming occurred up until ninety nine, ninety eight. In the last 10 years, Zippo warming. Zero. In fact, slightly cooling in the last 10 years. And again, the hottest day in history, not what Al Gore said in the late 90s, early 2000s, the hottest year, that is. Uh, back in the 1930s, NASA, NASA has corrected uh, themselves on that. And so uh, there is still much, much more for us to learn, to read, and to find out about so-called global warming, whether or not it's caused by humans, whether or not it's even bad for us. We don't really know that yet. Well, let's go back to that shooting today, and I do encourage you to be in prayer for the people out in Tennessee, uh, and certainly to think Christianly about these crises. Um, the problem of evil is a classic theological problem, but uh, I prefer to accept that problem with Christianity than the problem of good. What do I mean by that? I simply mean, without God, how do you explain the good, the holy, the true, and the right? That is, I think the atheist has a greater problem than the Christian does, and that is to explain love, holiness, virtue, goodness. Yes, we have these kinds of shootings, but we recognize them as evil, as bad. But uh, how can the atheist explain the good things? Again, love, forgiveness, grace, mercy, altruism. And so um, I do believe Christianity makes sense and it fits the facts and it works in life. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Penn and Dexter. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.